0: Welcome to In Her Lens, In Conversation, IFFR 2024. My name is Nadine, and this podcast is completely dedicated to getting to know the work from underrepresented voices in film and TV. In this three-part special series on the podcast, I actually got to go to the IFFR and record some conversations live on the ground. And in this episode, I'm talking with Madeline Hunt-Ehrlich, whose film Took My Breath Away. And in the next two episodes, I'm talking to the head of the Heward Balls Fund and one of its filmmakers. But first, Madeleine and the Ballad of Suzanne Césaire. This film is a post-biopic about Caribbean surrealist Suzanne Césaire, deconstructing the process of bringing an actually lived life to film. The film examines her relationship with her husband, French politician Aime Césaire, and the famed surrealist Andre Baton. The film takes place primarily in the space of a film set itself, where actors and crew confront the history of this writer in her youth and then stage scenes from her life. The Ballad of Suzanne Cesaire is writer director Madeleine's first feature and stars the incredible actors Zita Henro and Motel Jin Foster. Inspired by the structures of Césaire's own writing, which often took a colonial convention and then unraveled it, the film deconstructs the narrative period biopic genre, moving between conventional cinema and deconstructed experimental scenes. Now, as I mentioned in my note about this series, Variety's Jessica Kiang wrote a brilliant review, which ended in the following words. Perhaps when history sleeps on those who shaped it, this is what it dreams. (laughs) Let's just get into it. Let's meet Madeline and her story and her thoughts. Live from the IFFR 2024, it's Madeline Hunt-Ehrlich on In Her Lens. Welcome,
1: Madeline, to In Her Lens. Thank you so much for making the time to be here. We are at the IFFR in Rotterdam, um, which has been an incredible, I think in total it's like 13 days, but um, I saw your film now a couple days ago mm-hmm. and was really touched by it, so I'm very happy to be talking to you. Well, thank you so much
2: for having me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have a question for you to start, which yeah. is, oh, why please. did you start this podcast talking to female directors yeah,
1: yeah I think um, I started it really because I studied in New York I know that you live in Brooklyn um, and I went to the new school and in the time that I was studying that was the time of Me Too and then when I graduated Black Lives Matter restarted and I really realized that all the people I was learning from in the podcast I was listening to were mostly white men and um, I wondered how my work and work. Re- Work with my peers would be approached differently, and I wanted to learn and create space and amplify, and um, yeah, and it's just been an absolute honor getting to know people and personally and figuring out what work is out there that I'm not just being like that is not the first Google search kind of work. Mm-hmm. That's kind of why uh, yeah. amazing,
2: <laughs> yeah. I feel like there's this sort of double experience where on the one hand, you know you feel like issues are being talked about or there's Mm -hmm. more awareness Mm -hmm. um, than ever. And there's a lot of lip service, Mm -hmm. but then the reality is, I think in practice, it's still very different being a female director than it is um, for men who are filmmakers.
1: I was pretty surprised because we had a panel with um, some of the programmers and because I surround myself primarily by women or non-binary makers, I forget weirdly enough that there is still such a huge gap. And they said that their biggest struggle is still uh, the gender binary in programming at at festivals, which I thought was, I don't know. I I, I, I forget that it's still such a big problem because I surround myself with people who make it their focus, I guess. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I don't know what your experience is having a film at a festival like this. Mm -hmm.
2: Um, well, I think the biggest, you know, I, I'll i talk to people and, and they'll be like, well, what are you trying to do? What kind of films are you trying to make? You know, I mm-hmm. think that's so, um, really, there's so many things that change based on the kind of filmmaking you want to do in terms yeah. of where you're going to show your films and mm-hmm. who you work with. And there's a lot of really different ways to be a filmmaker, yeah. Um I always tell people, well, I want to make films like A Peach at Pawn or like, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'll like list my favorite filmmakers. And uh, I've realized that they're, you know, they're in terms of filmmakers who are alive today, they're all men.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And I was talking to someone about it and I was like, I think that's because the kind of filmmaking that I love, which is a filmmaking that's very liberated and takes big risks Mm. and is concerned with form um the filmmakers who get the most visibility and support to do those sorts of things are men yeah and
1: i think that's a really interesting point about the liberation or the freedom to take risk or freedom to go fully for something that isn't that that is a risk literally if we're also talking about stakeholders in film and like who's entrusted with here's money, go. Yeah, that's what it really is about because
2: it's not that um, there aren't a ton of women filmmakers who are doing that in their Mm -hmm. films, but it's about, like, who has the resources and the marketing budget and gets the prizes. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I'm I'm a filmmaker. I'm also a mother. I have a Mm -hmm. Mm three-year-old. And, you know, some of it's also, like, who can just, like, be out here? Yeah.
1: Yeah. At all the festivals like, yeah which is <laughs> at, insane. late at night <laughs> i've been thinking about this so much being here it's all it's so full on yeah and that in and of itself i mean uh, talking about gender representation in any mm-hmm. uh field of work um motherhood and uh who's in charge of household or whatever all those things that come out of patriarchy like are de- are defining the people who are at the who are working or Visible working, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. Um, that was a lot of
2: the impetus or the sort of starting point for um, my film mm-hmm. uh, that I have here, the Ballad of Suzanne Césaire, because um, I was thinking about becoming a mother, um, or my partner and I had been discussing, you know, having a child, and it was really terrifying because everything I'd been told, you know. Mm-hmm starting with my own mother's stories to, you know, things I was told in film school. Like, um, there was a professor who would tell women in my film program to freeze our eggs. <laughs> and this is the whole I'm thinking
1: about this so much. This is like <laughs> kind of a big trend in the States. Like it's oh, yeah, not freezing eggs. a thing in, in, in European culture, but it is like, and I, <clears throat> now it's like, okay, companies are paying women right. to freeze their eggs.
2: Yeah. And, um, there just was a real sense that I had uh, that that the, the general wisdom um, of maybe like a, gen- a generation or two before was that like you had to choose, mm-hmm. um, and so I was sort of looking uh, for examples in history, but also thinking about like, well, how does this how does this show up in 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 a piece of art or Mm -hmm. a piece of work, and that's when I started reading Suzanne Cesare's work differently. Suzanne Cesare is a writer. Um, She published very little, uh, seven essays between 1941 and 1945, and Mm -hmm. she also was a mother of six children.
1: Do you remember the first time you read any of her work? Like, when was that? Um,
2: I've read her work for a long time because my background is Jamaican, and um, my mother has this huge library um, of of kind of every kind of book but I all there was always this selection of these kind of great literary voices of the Caribbean mm-hmm. and so I was aware of her work but it was this point in I guess 2017 where I was I was asking these particular questions um that I read her work differently because mm-hmm. it she was someone who had so much talent and then just stopped yeah. and she had six kids and I, I think even after all the questions I've asked, I I still think that's a major Mm -hmm. contribution to why she stopped writing. Six kids is a lot of kids. So (laughs) many. Um, But I I just felt like I wanted to ask that question and I I wanted to ask it about what happened to her and I wanted... Mm -hmm. Sometimes when you're making something, you're sort of just chasing down your your big fear, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, Um,
1: that's what excites me about art making, but also which is the thing that makes it so terrifying and all involved because yeah yeah and what if you don't get to whatever it, the question or you have more questions when you ask the questions right you know? or it's like living in mm-hmm. a living I mean, in not, something that's uncomfortable yeah. for like
2: to make a future a very long time mm-hmm. but what I kind of ended up arriving at by the end of the process was this feeling that it's actually each other you know that that makes it less terrifying. It's mm-hmm. it's other women, and it's the ways that it's the ways that I spent five years trying to figure out why Susan Cesare only yeah. has seven essays is
1: yeah.
2: the way that women will catch you, mm-hmm. um, and you might not even see it in your lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, that means that that all the things that are asked of us. Um, there's there's a funny way of things working out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah.
1: There was something that you said in the Q&A after the screening that I was really um, drawn to, which was the idea that, you know, we only have these seven essays. We actually don't know much about her, why she stopped, or um, her estate also doesn't in that sense. And that actually, instead of... Um, Filling in those gaps, you let those gaps be. Will you tell us a bit about that mm-hmm. process, or maybe for the people who don't know who haven't I mean most people had premiered yeah. here haven't seen it like tell us a little bit about what the film is and then tell us a little bit about those gaps
2: so um I'm a filmmaker who likes to take big swings i like for me, I go to see films um not just for story but for form mm-hmm. and innovation and ideas. And I just love the experience of, um, a film really surprising me visually Mm -hmm. or, um, something happening that I, I never could expect sort of happening within a film. So for me, um, you know, this film, like a lot of, what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to, knew I wanted it to essentially be a narrative fiction film. Mm-hmm. I wanted to work with actors. Mm-hmm. Um, the the film is, is about Suzanne Césaire, but it's also about this sort of uh, riff on the actress who worked with Zita han Ro, mm-hmm. who was a freshly new mother when we filmed together. Oh, she nice. had just had her daughter about three months before. I think we were the wow. second film set she was on.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and so some of the film got Constructed and written in our rehearsal process as we were sort of talking about her right. experience and also mm-hmm. my experience. At that mm-hmm. point, my daughter was two. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the film really is grounded in this idea of, the, or in this scene of a film being made about Suzanne Césaire. Yeah. And the actors are seen on the film set preparing for their roles or their scene work and asking questions of her writing, the history, each other, questions about love, questions about motherhood. There's there's one moment in the film there's a line um, that is heard and everyone, when they hear that line, thinks we're talking about the actress. The actress is talking about Suzanne Césaire. She says something like, I keep thinking that I'm hearing her. Mm-hmm. I turn and it's just a passing sound. Yeah. I'm waking up, um, you know, frightened but it's nothing and I actually wrote the line about my daughter Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's actually about it's actually about your baby and like how when you're a new mom Mm -hmm. you're just so jumpy your Mm -hmm. body just is so like wired to constantly be looking for them Mm -hmm. even when they're not there but it also does sound like it's the actress talking about the way she's trying to inhabit this role. And so I I remember that moment
1: quite (laughs) clear. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah.
2: That Mm -hmm. the duality kind of told me a lot about Mm -hmm. both the creative process and the birth and early motherhood process Mm -hmm. as being these times of intense gestation and change. Mm I feel like the,
1: the, the uh, nature in the movie also reflects that there's the storm and, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, coming from a theater background, I'm also just, I love that breaking of the fourth wall, I want to call it, yeah. um, which is what the film does fantastically. But I think there's a lot of mirroring with with the yeah the weather. And it, obviously you shot in Miami, mm-hmm. um, but tell us a little bit about how the tropics play into the story as well.
2: Right, so Suzanne Cesare is from Martinique. And a lot of what I think makes her writing last in a way that the famous men who were her intimate, uh, you know, conversation partners, friends, community in her lifetime, um, Amé Césaire and Andre Breton, their work to me is sort of less present, less Mm -hmm. relevant today than hers. Mm -hmm. And part of that is that she wrote in her writing quite a bit about how connected we are as people to the fate of the natural world Mm -hmm. and how nature is something that we reduced to being beautiful but is actually quite dangerous mm-hmm, yeah. um, and that's something of course that has always been very present in the tropics where there's volcanoes and there's tornadoes and there's mm-hmm. um, hurricanes but I also think of something that in some ways a way she was talking about herself um, as a woman who is you know infamously quite beautiful
1: mm-hmm.
2: And often reduced to that, Mm. but then has this writing that is, you know, I'd almost describe it as gothic. Mm. And so we tried to really channel that, make you feel her work, those two dualities, Mm -hmm. something that's so beautiful and seductive, like Mm -hmm. a postcard of a vacation you want to take or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, of, you know, the beauty of a place you're from or a memory but that, at any moment can sort of turn and become this really dark
1: and scary uh
2: danger mm-hmm. so yeah i I also love uh the <laughs> like a kind of theatrical yeah. filmmaking, and yeah. I think you know one thing in the states or in American filmmaking that I've really felt claustrophobic about is all the realism mm-hmm. um I guess now there's like this turn towards surrealism as well, mm-hmm. um, but for a while it was just everything was like mm-hmm. all the Sundance films were all about like this realism yeah. and this handheld camera and this mm-hmm. um, raw like, yeah. yeah and I ju- and I just um, I, I just started to feel so like bored and like it was mm-hmm. this like kind of. Everyone was making the same reproduction of like your life. Like I don't, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not trying I, I'm not saying this to, to, to put anyone down. I'm saying this to say that I have a point of view, which mm-hmm. is like I don't I don't necessarily know that I personally want to go to the cinema to like watch someone's Zoom conversation, mm-hmm. you know? Like I do that all day and, <laughs> and I don't know that I need to like shot reverse shot watch a Zoom. Mm-hmm. But, you know? Um and so for me, like that—that that kind of embrace of what mm-hmm. cinema does. Like, what yeah. are the things that cinema does that's yeah. different than life? And like yeah. for me, it's about the moreness.
1: It, you know, I think about this all the time. Like, why are we framing this? And and I feel like what I really felt in your film, plus and the color, but also you shot on film, so everything feels so purposeful in the sense of like I am choosing to create this image for this reason. And that both the image and the acting and the words or the sound, which I, I loved the sound as well, um, is creating something for me, not trying to replicate something for me. That's kind of how I experienced that. But yeah, yeah I um, I think oh, like something I think about is like the way
2: you create something new isn't necessarily that you just wake up one day and you think of something new it's that you take things that exist but that aren't normally put together mm-hmm. and you put them together
1: mm-hmm.
2: like that's kind of yeah. like the principle of design if you think yeah. about it
1: and isn't it also just like there's only five stories in the whole world and we're right. just recreating <laughs> everything over and over again
2: yeah but like has it been done in purple you mm-hmm. know yeah. I don't know it's yeah. like you just keep like combining things until you're like mm-hmm. like as different things as you can until yeah. you're like um oh I've never seen this before like these two things together really explodes in some way Mm -hmm. and so that's a lot of how I work is like trying to put really different things together to see if we can like kind of like agitate something new out of it you know like I've seen some of the writing that's come out so far there's been really lovely reviews but some has kind of I think been perplexed in terms of being like well it's an essay film or it's a documentary. And for me it's really a fiction film. And mm-hmm. and really I think the reasons they're saying that when it's so clearly like these actors and like mm-hmm. so many elements that just would never be in a documentary. <laughs> I think that it's because there are elements that are, you know, you have an actor reading a text. Mm-hmm. Um there are things about it that disrupt. But for me that's or there in the crew or something. Seeing yeah. the crew, yeah. right. But for me, that's um that's there because i'm I'm trying to put things that aren't normally put together together, mm-hmm. like that we yeah. could go from that into just capital c cinema, big romance, popcorn yeah. in your seat yeah. scenes, mm-hmm. you know
1: yeah yeah no and i i I wonder if that's also a question with a lot of these things about like accessibility and like when we're talking about like reviews that then or when people are perplexed around something I think that this comes back to her first
2: mm. when we were first talking about the mm-hmm. the the different possibilities for visibility for mm-hmm. male directors and female directors mm-hmm. I don't think anyone you know asks Yorgos Lanthimos yeah. to um, be legible mm-hmm. you know one of my favorite filmmakers and one of I think I don't think it's controversial to say mm-hmm. Tarkovsky's, you know, one of the great filmmakers mm-hmm. and I don't think anyone watches one of those yeah, films. Like and yeah, it's like, I
1: get this. Right, or
2: <laughs> it was just like I didn't and mm. so um it's not worth right. watching. Right. Exactly. And that's always been the kind of or, you know, Agnes Varda of course is mm-hmm. someone I mm-hmm. very important to me. actually met Agnes Varda in film school and it was a really oh really uh important um informative experience for me. It took mm-hmm. a like a master workshop with her f- over a day. But basically what I'm saying is that I don't. Mm-hmm. Good. <laughs> but I know that I, I, I and that's not even something I think I'm aspiring to. Mm-hmm. But I know that um I know that there I know that I'm taking risks. Mm-hmm. Um because I don't think that um you know, there aren't a lot of examples of the industry supporting women and mm-hmm. taking those risks mm-hmm. um, with resources. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I think like the thing about making uh, being an artist is that um, it's kind of like an involuntary. Uh, (laughs) like an involuntary impulse to make art. Like I think really it's much easier to not do it. And um, if there was any way that you could not, or that you could not make work a certain way, you would just wouldn't because there's like really everything in society is set up to incentivize you not to, uh, you can just have such a a different um, kind of stability and, sort of order to your life mm-hmm. um if you can possibly not and so there's also a part of it that i don't know that i choose you mm-hmm.
1: know yeah well, um i guess mm, we don't have a ton of time left um a question i also have like c- carrying into a space like this into in, into the international film circuit and festivals and what advice do you have for someone who is entering that space for the first time with a film, or mm-hmm. really wants to bring their film to a new audience, or is plopped into a situation like this, is there anything in that your navigation that you think would help other people?
2: Yeah, I, a couple of things. I think um, you know, one way that I built my have built my career is not just through the film world, which is quite a conservative space mm-hmm. and quite a patriarchal space, racist space. Um, but also through the art world, mm-hmm. which is a space that also, you know, has is is of the, of, yeah. 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 <laughs> of the world, yeah, is also of the yeah of the world. Me. But um, is a space that is quite, I think, has a lot of tolerance for experimentation,
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, and also is really accepting of films that have less resources. So, mm-hmm. what's really lovely about sort of having one leg in that space or starting out in that space is you can take so many. Risks and and try so many things, um, and there's a space for the work to to exist and have an audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also just think like, you know, you shouldn't just be watching films as a filmmaker. Like mm-hmm. you should be seeing paintings and sculpture and learning about music theory and mm-hmm. reading about architecture and geometry. And there's just so much um, more that makes your filmmaking sort of a cut above than like you can tell when someone just watches you know prestige television Mm -hmm. and like like the the top three films of the year um or like you know Christopher Nolan movies or something it's like the the imagination is is sort of limited Mm -hmm. um and I think the filmmakers I admire the most are are filmmakers who have a lot more to say about different forms of expression than just than just Mm -hmm. film Mm -hmm. um And then the final thing I would say is to find people you really trust to work with and to take good care of them and respect them and invest in them. And, um, you know, Alex Ash, who shot this film with me, I've um, worked with him in different capacities on, like, four films. Sophie Luo, who produced the film, um, this is our third project together, over several years there's just uh one of my collaborators over 10 years is an artist named simone lee um she was with me uh at several really key moments in this film and so just having like those people you talk to about your work and not taking them for granted is i think kind of maybe the most important thing mm-hmm.
1: so, such a beautiful note and i'm also a very big believer in like we need each other for all of us, for whether it's life or whether it's your art. So thank you for spending time and thank you for the work. I am thrilled for people to see it. It's beautiful. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you, Madeline, for making the time to join the podcast at the festival. As I mentioned in person, this film and you deserve so much praise. I cannot wait to see how it will continue to unravel in this industry, in people's minds and in our communities. Thank you for your work. All the works that Malin and I touched on, as well as links to follow her and her work, are in the episode notes. And I want to thank the IFFR for making this interview possible. In the next episode, I'm talking to Tamara Tatushvili, who is the head of the Hubert Balls Fund of the IFFR. Thank you very much for joining us, and I'll see you next time. Bye.